You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m., except this week. Our Thursday show will be at 4 p.m. also. All of our shows can be heard live exclusively here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and our newest sponsor, Center Club. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs running middle market firms, to improve your decision-making skills. We have two guests today. Our first guest is Mark Paston. He is author and ethical consultant. Have you ever wondered how ethics could play a part in the success of your business? Well, we've invited Mark to join us today to share his insights on that subject and other topics. Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you. Let's begin by going back in your history a little bit can you sort of give us your professional path to where you are today as an author and an ethical consultant well uh, i'll give you the short tour (laughs) i uh, started out in academia and ended up being a professor of business a tenured full professor but i really wanted to get out in the world and try to make some difference to the things that really happened in the world So I started um, the Council of Ethical Organizations, which abbreviates the CEO, and uh, since about 1990, well, about 1990, I primarily have made my living providing ethics advice to executives and organizations. Mark, what was the tipping point that caused you to want to really focus your career on ethics in business and the difference that ethics can make in business? Well, it's hard to say. Certainly, um, I was interested in this topic uh, for a long time, and uh, when uh, uh, I decided to go out on my own as a consultant, uh, different issues and problems just seemed to to find me, and uh, if something is going well, you keep doing it, and so I've been doing it ever since. So it wasn't something like an Enron scandal or something that you saw egregious in the corporate world that you thought, well, I can make a difference by focusing on this? It was Well, not any one particular okay. uh, example, but certainly the sense that organizations were missing the boat when it comes to ethics. Is this endemic of large organizations, corporations, you know, multinationals, or is your research and your work shown that it, ethics as a is an issue across all size companies both entrepreneurial and as i said corporations large corporations it's an issue across all types but it's a different issue big organizations tend to be they they vary a little bit from the average uh, but most of them are about average uh, smaller businesses and mid-market businesses tend to reflect the ethics of their owners or their key managers. Hmm. So you might find one that's very ethical. You might find another one uh, that isn't ethical at all. Uh, So when you get to the smaller businesses, you have wider variation, including 
more that are really excellent and more that are really dreadful. Maybe we should uh, step back for a minute, Mark, and I'm talking with Mark Paston. He is ethics consultor, consultant excuse me, and author of Making an Ethical Difference, Tools for Better Action. Can you define, as it relates to your work, what does the term ethical mean? Good question. People love to talk about ethics, and they never tell you what it is they're talking about. To me, a person's ethics uh, are their, I call them ground rules or basic principles, they're the, the rules that the person won't violate except under extreme duress. The analogy I like to make is between the operating system of a computer and the different applications. And ethics is like the operating system of a person. It doesn't necessarily tell you what they will do or what they're about, but it does tell you the limits on what they'll do, whether they'll behave honestly or dishonestly, whether they'll keep their word, and so on. So that's my working definition. Ground rules are basic principles. Thank you. Has it been your research or your experience that people might have two sets of ethics, uh, their own ethics that they apply on themselves, and then the ethics that they expect, the ethical treatment they expect others to give them? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not so sure it's as much that they have two ethics. It is that there's a big difference between their expectations of what others will do and and their expectations of them of themselves. And you know, when we talk about another ethical word which is integrity, mm. integrity means uh, honoring your own principles. And certainly there's wide variations uh, in our society today when it comes to integrity. Uh, integrity means being whole or complete. Uh, in ethics, it means that you are uh, living up to the principles um, that are your basic principles or ground rules. Do you find in larger companies that different areas of the business might have different levels of ethics? Kind of what you would said earlier, which is small and middle market companies t- tend to mirror the ethics of the leader. Does, yeah. might, might that happen in divisions and departments of much larger organizations? Well, yeah, there are definitely variations in large organizations. Uh, uh, a common variation is between the part of the organization charged with sales and, let's say, the part charged with customer service. And if the salespeople are incentivized on a steep, steep incentive scale, they tend to do whatever is necessary to get the sale. So sometimes you find things there, and again, you find differences in levels of management, too. Uh, People are sometimes surprised to hear me say this, but, you know, 98.5% of Enron was a perfectly ethical company. The problem is the the 1.5% that wasn't ethical also happened to be in charge. Mm. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it, and this is not always true, but it wasn't really a perfectly good uh, company except for the actions of a small number of people. And that's, that's really the tragedy of, of ethics, that a small number of people can wreck an organization beyond repair. I have about a minute left before our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Our guest is Mark Paston, and he's the ethics consultant and author of Making an Ethical Difference, Tools for Better Action. In your experience, are there any industries 
and I know this is da- dangerous to generalize, but have you seen any industries which are more challenged based on ethical standards from the leaders and the companies that are in that industry? Or are there no industries that sort of stand out? Well, uh, I think that it doesn't vary that much uh, by industry. Everybody has customers, and one of the most basic ethical requirements of every organization is that they treat their customers fairly. Every organization has employees, and that creates yet another set of basic uh, ethical requirements. Um, But, uh, you know, I've seen ethical companies in strange industries, and I've seen unethical companies or organizations where you'd expect uh, the highest standard. Uh, So I don't think what the company does makes that much of a difference. Okay. Well, we're going to take our first, thank you for that, and we're going to take our first break, Mark, and when we come back, I'd like to uh, dig into your book, Making an Ethical Difference, Tools for Better Action. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show, and we'll be back with Mark Paston after these words from our commercial sponsors. Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. When it comes to safety and stability, CBC has one of the highest levels of capital of any commercial bank ranked in the top 6% in the nation. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes, Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willey of Fidelity National Financial, to name a few. In short, we're a bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.combancal.com. Member FDIC. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, 
was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,000 shows during the last 30 days, and we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live here on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Mark Paston, who is ethics consultant and author of Making an Ethical Difference, Tools for Better Action, is our first guest here on the program today. And Mark, before the break, we said we're going to jump into your book a little bit so if we were to buy your book and read it first of all who should buy your book and what will they learn from reading it well of course everyone should buy my book of course (laughs) everyone listening right now no but it's really written for it's really written for people who are tired of just having interesting conversations about ethics and who are anxious to actually take some action and do some things uh, that relate to ethics. I mean, I think what makes it different than other books is it has a strong bias for action. It has a lot of examples uh, taken from the real world uh, that are intended to give people some idea how to how to make ethical progress in their own life. I was asking you for a little more context for the content of your book, Making an Ethical Difference, Tools for Better Action. So, so how do... How do ethical teachings, then, in your experience, help a CEO of a middle market company sort of be a better leader for that company? It's uh, it's like anything else. You, you don't just sit sit around and feel good and feel ethical about things. You have to figure out how being ethical will make a difference in the marketplace, how it will build a better relationship with your customers, how it will lead to you having a better relationship with with your vendors, I'm sorry. Uh, the example I, I like to use is a very simple one, but it is the empire that is Nordstrom. And Nordstrom is seldom the cheapest in a market. It's not the biggest, but customers prefer it, and one of the reasons they prefer it is because of a very basic ethical principle, which is treat someone who's returning something as well or as nicely as you treat them if they were buying it. Mm. Uh, so treat your customers well, whether they're buying or returning. And Nordstrom's return policy became a legend. You don't see very much advertising for Nordstrom, and yet everybody knows about it, and most people most people like to go there if they can afford what, what's on sale there. Uh, and it's really all because, ultimately, of an ethical principle um, that the company applied in dealing with its customers. So, so, Mark, is that is that your experience, having done this since 1990, that sometimes the ethical path can be a simple path, a common-sense approach? 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like common sense in hindsight. But, you know, how many years, decades, really, did people go back to department stores and when they were returning with something, they had to stand in a long line waiting there with documentation to prove that they had bought it and fingerprints and photo ID and eventually the line would clear and you'd, you'd have a meeting with Attila the Hun yeah. who would tell you, too bad, you bought the wrong thing. I mean, that went on for a long time before somebody figured out that, gee, maybe treating these people decently will make them come back. Right. And, uh, you know, the other side of the coin is all the, all businesses have vendors, people who give them the things that they need to make uh, what they make or provide the service that they provide. And certainly having a good reputation with your vendors leads to you getting superior service and sometimes a superior price, uh, which gives you an advantage in the marketplace. So, you know, ethics is about relationships based on honesty and there are many elements of business where that counts. When you consult with larger corporations, firms that do business internationally, and you're helping them work on ethics, are there are there different considerations that a larger company has to consider when they're doing business with, say, people outside of the U.S. as it relates to ethics? Well, I'll tell you something that you may find surprising, but when it comes to basic ethics, the variations are uh, less than you'd think rather than more. Hmm. There are very few people who don't like to be treated honestly. There's very few people who don't put a value on honesty. All cultures, uh, although it sometimes is conceived in a different way, but all cultures have a concept of integrity. If, if you go into a market with a bias for doing things uh, ethically, you can often find your place in that market. Now, there are also markets that you just can't go into where the corruption is uh, so widespread and so expected that, that you, don't, you don't have a chance. Uh, and I think, as I said with ethics, you have to pick your opportunities. You have to pick places where you can go and succeed you know, if you go to a country where there's a corrupt government that expects to be paid a bribe for everything you do, don't be surprised when you find your employees paying bribes. Right. I mean, you put them there. So uh, I think you have to use good judgment before uh, you go after a business opportunity. But generally speaking, approaching that opportunity in an ethical manner will carry advantages. So let's talk about, we have about five minutes left here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Mark Paston is our guest. He's ethics consultant and author of the book, Making an Ethical Difference, Tools for Better Action. Can you talk to us about the four ethical types that you found in the workplace? Well, yeah, and uh, the types are kind of a, uh, a rule, of, uh, rule of thumb. They're not ironclad by any stretch of the imagination, but there are... Uh, different types, uh, and there are I, the type I call wigglers. And wigglers are the people who have no uh, no sense of uh, right or wrong of their own. And then there are people who are basically conformists who go along with whatever the ethics of the, the situation appears to be. Um, and there are the people that I like that are... Would, 
which I call the navigators, and those are people who take their own ethical principles seriously, take the principles of uh, others seriously, um, and uh, are able to get things done. And then finally, there are those people who are extremely uh, rigid or self-righteous in their ethical viewpoint. And that means that whenever they approach an ethical situation, they're pretty sure that they're the ethical one, and it's everybody else that they have to uh, worry about. So those are the types. But aren't ethics black and white? I mean, uh, are there gray areas of ethics then? Is that what you're saying? Well, there, yeah, there are... There are gray areas, you know, people who, in most things, people who are looking for a simple answer are underestimating the complexity of the world in which we find ourselves. We live, we find ourselves in a world that's uh, enormously complex, uh, and that has makes a difference to ethics. Uh, the obvious example would be the, that our European allies are reluctant to take a strong stand against Russia because that's where they're getting their energy. Um, so it's very complicated. And all of a sudden, these countries are in, in a gray zone, uh, and uh, you know they want to do something about what happened in Ukraine, but they feel like their hands are tied. And so they're not taking the firm ethical stand that you would otherwise expect uh, from them. And, you know, it's interesting to observe it. These are countries who spend a lot of their time being critical of the United States. Uh, all of a sudden, they have uh, an invasion on European soil, and they're reluctant to do anything because their gasoline prices will go up. So I think that's kind of an obvious example. Okay, we're going to take our second break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And Mark, I'd like you to stay with us uh, for a little longer here on the radio program today. So uh, stay around, ladies and gentlemen. We're continuing our interview with ethics consultant and author of Making an Ethical Difference, Tools for Better Action, Mark Paston, after these words from our commercial sponsors. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results, a cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge with the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days, all with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. 
These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO peer groups. CEO peer groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. Last month, we delivered over 37,000. Let me say it again, 37,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions. To learn more, contact our VP of Sales, Rose Chamora, 951-515-4661. That's 951-515-4661. All of our shows can be found on our website, Critical Mass for Business. On the homepage, you'll see a link to the show archives. Click that, and you'll get to all the podcasts, which are keyword searchable and guest names. Very easy to find content and people that you'd like to listen to who have been interviewed over the five years we've been on the show and the 800-plus guests. Speaking of our guest, he today is Mark Paston. He's ethics consultant, and he's the author of the book, Making an Ethical Difference, Tools for Better Action. Welcome back to the program, Mark. Thank you. Let's talk about, of all the things you've learned in your professional career, and here on the radio program we call it our guiding principles question. We've written two books from the answers of guests over the years, but... Have you developed kind of an overarching belief or a, a, a worldview that you apply to your business? And if so, would you share that with our audience today? Well, it's a, it's a very good question and, and not an easy one uh, to answer. But I think the guiding principle I, I follow, at least in my business life as a consultant, is don't get involved in a situation unless there's some some good you can do in that situation. There are situations from an ethical viewpoint that are hopeless, where you can't do anything. There's no use wasting your time. I like to say that we have a bias for action, and uh, you have to leverage yourself, the resource that you are, and the time that you have to find situations where you can make a difference. Okay, thank you. Um, can we? You also talk about in your book four different tools a, a company, a CEO can use to sharpen their ethical senses. And I'm wondering if you could discuss how a middle market company can employ these four different tools to help not only the leader sharpen her ethical uh, senses, but maybe an organization become more attuned to the ethical senses of each other and maybe the marketplace in general. Can you share your four different tools with us? Yes. Uh, the first one grows out of what we already were talking about earlier, which is 
learn your own ground rules. Find out what the principles are that you won't violate except under extreme pressure. And find out about the ground rules of others. Uh, you don't necessarily learn about that by asking them. You learn about it by watching them. So the first, uh, the first thing that you do to be ethical is to learn the ethics of yourself and the others with whom you do business. The second tool is, I, I call it reason backward to find the interests. And what I mean by that is, if you ask somebody what their interests are, they'll kind of dress it up and give you a wedding cake. What you really want to find out is what outcomes are they seeking. And you can infer from those outcomes that they're seeking what interests they're really bringing to the table. And the purpose of learning the interests that they bring to the table is you may, may be able to find a way to pursue your interests and their interests. The third principle I call up close and personal, and what that means is that you are more likely to be ethical to, in dealing with someone, uh, and they are more likely to be ethical with you if you are in their presence or near at hand to them. It, it's, it's a common statement or a common belief that many of us could drop a bomb, even a bomb that hits civilians, but very few of us could go through a city and, and kill hundreds of people with our bare hands or with a knife. There's a truth in that, and the truth in it is that when you're in the presence of another person, your ethical senses are uh, aroused. They are more active. So we call it up close and personal. And the last uh, principle is instead of starting at a very general level, start at a very specific level. See if you can find agreement with someone in a particular situation without necessarily trying to settle all the differences of principle that may be between you. Uh, if you can accomplish something good without having an argument about the principles involved, leave the argument for another day and accomplish something good. Well, the, the, those are four great guidelines, uh, and, and I wanted to have a follow-up question, but I need to take another commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. So, Mark, hang there, because I want to follow up on the four tools that you just gave us. We'll be back, ladies and gentlemen, with Mark Paston after these words from our commercial sponsors. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.smartbusiness.com. 
Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Mark Paston is our guest. He is also the CEO of Council of Ethical Organizations, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting ethics in business and government. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But before we get there, I was taking notes on your four tools, and I I guess I just want to ask a couple questions. Um, You say reason back to find their interest, and and that is... um, that's kind of hard to do sometimes in larger companies, right? Because actions speak louder than words, and you sort of have to read the tea leaves and sort of look between the lines and all those other, read between the lines, all those other sayings. I mean, sometimes that can be a daunting challenge, especially when you're physically not in the same area, uh, you know, office or location as the people that you're dealing with, right? Well, it is harder uh to uh, get an ethical sense of larger uh, companies, and uh, there's no question. And, and most large companies fall somewhere in the domain of uh, uh, average on on ethics because uh, there are so many different forces that operate on the company. There's the board of directors, the customers, the suppliers, the media, and so on. That they tend to find a middle middle path, and it's a little, lot harder to predict what they'll do because uh, there isn't a, a single individual decision maker or a set of decision makers in many cases who will set the tone for the company. But the principle is still the same. You look at what the company does, and you infer from what it does that it's it views itself as being rewarded for doing those things. And, uh, you know, the, the principle is good, the work is harder. Um, but, you know, if, if a company has, you know, consistently say, sa- saves 25 cents and, and uh, the result of their saving that 25 cents is there's a significant hazard to consumers, that tells you something about how the company thinks and how it decides. You know, sometimes a company is even puzzling to the people within the company, uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes a company will, will make a bad decision, like the the apparent decision that General Motors made, and they really don't know why they made the decision themselves. Uh, and certainly uh, their new CEO doesn't seem to have much of a, a propensity to to understand why they did something that was simply put very stupid so you're you're right in saying that you really have to watch and observe when you're dealing with larger organizations 
to see the central tendency of their actions and the principles that they act on. So I'm speaking with Mark Past, and he is ethics consultant and author of his book, Making an Ethical Difference, Tools for Better Action. And one of the speed mental speed bumps that I'm having trouble getting over, and I, I want to kind of bring it to you in this section of the interview, and that is I've heard a couple examples from you of um, uh, most recently the European nations and how they're reacting to Soviet or Russian aggression, let's say. It seems to me that, the, that there's a pretty clear ethical decision that could be made, but they're, they're sort of compromising their ethics because of other concerns, uh, the welfare of their people, uh, the price of petroleum. And so it, it almost feels like it becomes a situational ethics where the, their true ethics are, one, standing up for people that are being maybe oppressed by a foreign nation. But the reality is, well, our own self-interest trump, trump their situation so we're going to have a muted response to it i mean is is that what ethics become where the there there's a clear line of what is the ethical choice but yet it's a series of compromises to try to stay as close to that line while not being a zealot because you say so many companies are kind of average in their ethics and i'm thinking how can you be average in ethics you are either ethical or you're compromising your ethics to some degree to the point that then on the continuum you're unethical so help me. Well, to, help me to think uh, you've got to remember that a company isn't isn't uh, although in a legal sense it's a person, in a practical sense it's not a person. It's it's a lot of people, um, and when you're dealing with a lot of people, um, you have to produce a certain level of agreement for those people to get things done. But I don't think it's it's really situational in in the way that you're talking about it. If we go back to the example of the uh, European countries, uh, what we can learn from this is that from the beginning, uh, when they were throwing slings and arrows at us, they themselves did not adhere to the principles that they were using to judge us. So, yes, they're in a difficult situation, and that situation shows us truly what they do, uh, what what their ethics truly is, Uh, whereas when you're just sitting around editorializing and picking on other people, um, it's easy to present yourself as uh, principled, as taking the high road, and so on. So the situation shows the ethics. It's not that the ethics is situational. It is that the demands of the situation will show you what the ethics is. So are, um, is it your position then that um, if you had a highly ethical leader and she insisted on the utmost ethics throughout their company, that they then would move away from being average in ethics to above average, but never peg it all the way to perfectly ethical because of the realities of what's being expected of them in the marketplace and with their constituents? Well, you know, this is is reality. If you employ 10,000 people you employ probably several hundred who are sociopaths because sociopathy is is a fact of life. In a company, the trick to being ethical is not to put people who have a propensity to do wrong in positions of power. Uh, And sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes people who have very limited ethical guidelines are intelligent and capable. Mm -hmm. So in a company... Uh, like that, you get closer and closer to having an ethical standard, the better you are at identifying 
uh, people who are ethical and promoting them into key positions uh, in the company. Uh, but you always run the risk in a large organization that one of these uh, people who are uh, defective from an ethical viewpoint, that one of them will take an action in the company name, and you can never 100% prevent that from happening. So there's always... You know, there, there's always a margin further you can go in a company to be more ethical uh, because a company is operated by people. Right. And that's that that seems to me to be the risk of compromising in a small way because your ethics, because, you know, uh, when kids are growing up, it's sort of manners are caught, not taught. Um, it, you know, it's what you do and not what you say that your kids pick up on. And I know business and raising children aren't. There's maybe some parallels, but they're not a perfect uh, one-to-one comparison. But it, it seems to me that if you if you begin to compromise on your ethics as the leader and you have a, it doesn't even have to be thousands of employees, but maybe a large enough organization where you're not uh, directly impacting all the culture, you may end up with people who are looking to the, to the organization going, well, the tone at the top is to shave on the ethics a little bit. So I think I can do that plus one. And then you get another person goes, okay, that's plus one, plus one. And all of a sudden, before you know it, uh, you can have oh, yeah. you can have some really outrageous behavior that you would have never sanctioned if you knew of it directly. But people felt, well, the culture allows me to do this. I'm thinking well, people Wall tend Street. to find the, the lowest common denominator when it comes to ethics. If the employees see somebody who's very talented getting away with something, the message is, if you're talented enough, you don't have to follow the principles. Right. Uh, the rules don't apply to me. I think you really have to be a very good manager and a very consistent manager to preserve the ethical makeup of a large organization. Uh, in a large organization, your contact with each individual is more limited, so the contact you do have and the messages you send are very important. Uh, so... You know, I I absolutely agree with you, actually. Thank you. Uh, not thank you for agreeing with me, but thank you for kind of closing that part of the conversation. I only have a few minutes left here on Critical Mass Radio Show with our guest today, Mark Paston. Mark, tell me a little bit more about Council of Eth- Ethical Organizations. I know it's a nonprofit. I know you're dedicated to promote- promoting ethics not only in business but in government, which seems to be a huge challenge in, in our current environment. But can you talk to me about more about the organization and how some of the CEOs who are listening might want to get involved with it? Well, uh, we welcome uh, any uh, anyone to become involved. We're a membership organization, and we want our members to be companies, and we want them to be companies that have a, a, a commitment to doing the right thing. But we're not going to dictate to them what that is. If, if you're interested in... The, the role that ethics can play in the success of your company, then we're we're interested in you, uh, and uh, so there's there's no ethical acid test or uh, anything of that nature that you have to uh, apply to be a member. Uh, interestingly, in recent years, a lot of our members have been healthcare organizations, uh, and that continues to grow because, of course, the challenges in healthcare are uh, continuing to grow. Um, and so uh, there are certain businesses that are more likely to belong to us. Financial services companies are common members. Hospitals, health plans, insurance companies, 
but you know we're we're open. We we want people to take ethics seriously, and and our job is to make it easier for them to do so as part of their success. How does someone learn more about your organization? Then what what's your website? Where can they find you online? Uh, well, our 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 main website is Council of Ethical Organizations plural dot com, uh, and it's 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 more than a mouthful, but it's easy if you uh, reason it through. It's uh, it's our name, Council of Ethical Organizations dot com. I also have a personal website, uh, which will lead you to all the websites uh, that are related to ethics, which is markpaston dot com. M a r k p a s t i n dot com, and uh, I've got a lot of uh, different writings, quizzes, fun things there, but also links to a lot of places where you can learn more about ethics. There must be a link to be able to find your book and buy your book as well from your website. I take it. Uh, I'm I'm sure there is. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope, right? Is it for sale let's on Amazon? Yeah, is it for sale on Amazon dot com? Right. Okay. Well, that's always okay. A, that's the 800-pound gorilla as well. Well, I've enjoyed the conversation and the banter that we had kind of towards the end on ethics. I think it's a, it is an interesting topic and one that probably people do not spend enough time considering. Thank you for being a friend of the program, and, and welcome to the critical mass business community, Mark Paston. And thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Bye-bye. The, bye. The goal for this show, ladies and gentlemen, in our audience of CEOs running middle market firms is to help you improve your decision-making skills. I'd like to thank our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club of Costa Mesa. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts. Crystal Nunley is our producer. Kathleen Shepard, our guest coordinator. Our so- social media strategist and marketing strategist is Asia Celestino. Our live events coordinator is Melissa Panani. And our VP of Sales is Rose Chamora. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business, maybe you want to join our CEO peer groups or refer a future guest or advertise on the radio show, check us out at criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.